tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League, it's the NBA Finals. We went to Game 1 and Game 2 in Phoenix, Arizona. I can say it once again. I'm going to continue to say it until it's no longer mathematically possible. Suns info. Suns info. The Phoenix Suns are absolutely hammering who I call the most overrated NBA team, possibly in NBA history, to make the finals with a coach who I think is maybe one of the biggest idiots to be at this high caliber of a job. I don't know. I don't think he's a dumb human, but I think he's making dumb basketball decisions. Uh, and you know what? There are people who are very high profile in the NBA media community who are texting me the same thing. I'm not going to say any names, but there are people who you know if I said their name. So much to talk about, Marty. So let's drop the beat. All right, so we were at game one, game two. Game one thoughts. Uh, Chris Paul is Chris, dominant. Yeah, Chris Paul is amazing. Yeah. He's <laughs> dominant. He wants uh, to win more than I think the entire Milwaukee Bucks team want to win collectively. And I think it's because he's been shit on uh, and told that either it was his injuries or him being toxic or his leadership uh, style that makes him a difficult person to get along with. And we are seeing very clearly that no, uh, that's not true. And Chris Paul just wants it a lot more. Well, I think it's crazy that in an NBA playoffs, that's kind of been, you know, a battle of attrition that Chris Paul's team is the one that's here, you know, reaping the benefits of it. He's really turned, you know, all, all of this around everything that people have said about him for years. This team loves him. Uh, so you can throw out the bad teammate uh, stuff. Uh, it really was. I mean, Booker played great too. Aiton in game one was 22 and 19. Uh, just, uh, just a total team effort. This team just plays so well together, so cohesive. Uh, it's crazy. And now they've got to lose four out of five games to not be NBA champions. So I feel. CP3, 32, 4 and 9 in game one, 4 for 4 from three. And at one point, Chris Paul was hitting the front of the rim for game after game after getting COVID. So the world was wondering, is it legs? Is it chest? Is it lungs? Is it COVID? Is mm. it age? Is it hamstring? Is it shoulder contusion? And it's like, no, Chris Paul is back. And I think truthfully, you see that this team is the best team constructed. It's not just an attrition thing to me. I think we saw some Bucks fans before game one and they were like, oh, you know, the Phoenix Suns have had the easiest path. And I think that's fucking garbage. I think they've actually had maybe one of the hardest paths. Everybody has injuries. I mean, I'm not talking about like in the course of history, but I'm right. talking about in terms of 
the pathway that they had to get to for a two seed was hard. Yeah, no. Okay. So when people are telling me that, I mean, here's what I say. Okay. Lakers, they were hurt all year. They were hobbled all year. That's why they were the seventh seed. Our, the Suns reward as the two seed is to play the seventh seed and they were the seventh seed because they were hobbled. End of discussion on if that. If they one. weren't hobbled, they would have been the one or the two seed. Right. And then the Suns would not have played them until maybe the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. So end of discussion on that one. And then when they want to talk about, uh, Denver and Jamal Murray being out, they played really awesome without Jamal Murray. That's why they hung on to the three seed. Yeah. They had to play the three seed who ends up beating Portland, uh, in five, six. And so it ends up being one of those scenarios where Denver was looking really good with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And the Suns straight smacked them. And that has nothing to do with Jamal Murray being out. They would have smacked them with Jamal Murray. I think so. I, th- I think so. Obviously, there's no way to prove. But I, again, I think that one's kind of weak. Kawhi, I get. But at the same time, Chris Paul missed the first two games. And yeah, and like, the Suns won those games yeah. without Chris Paul. So yeah. it was kind of to me, and that was a very hard fought series it as was. well. And took coaching to just to get to this place. And Milwaukee, I would say, has had, if that fan in general wants to talk about like the path. I mean, what did you do? You played Miami Heat, who was in fucking shambles. Tyler Hero was on his Jack Harlow tour. <laughs> like, Duncan Robinson regressed. Jay Crowder was gone. He's now a Phoenix son. Okay, so... Dra- Dragic was nothing. Dragic yep. was no- nothing. Jimmy Butler was gassed. And it appears from a recent article that I just will talk about in terms of game two is that Jay Crowder was the only one really holding Jimmy Butler accountable. So Jay Crowder l- leaving... Changed the Miami Heat in a bunch of different ways, too. So them, like, beating the Miami Heat was, I think, a different Miami Heat than they played the year before. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you play who? The Nets? And you play the Nets without Kyrie, without Harden for most of the series. And it was just KD having a ball out. And truthfully, the refs helped you win a couple games. <laughs> and Giannis did undercut Kyrie and sprained his freaking ankle. Okay. That happened. That did happen. <laughs> you don't win that series without the attrition there. Yeah. You don't win that series without the attrition there. You lose the Eastern Conference semis. Then in the Eastern Conference finals, a ref takes out Trey Young. So if you want to talk about attrition. I do forget about that. <laughs> Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks were up 10 when Trey Young went down with a bone bruise. Yeah. And then it was night night. So the Milwaukee Bucks. And the fans should not even be talking about this right now. Yeah, it should not come from them. It can come from other people, like, fine. like And, and A, the biggest thing is, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? There's going to be an NBA champion crown. And, like, let's, okay, let's go backward, like, a little bit. Okay, uh, last year, bubble, kind of weird. Let's throw that out. Year before, KD gets hurt. Toronto wins. They don't win without that. The KD Warriors team stacked the deck. Asterisk. I mean, you could just, you could say a bunch of things. Chris Paul goes a- down with a hamstring sure. injury in the Western Conference Finals of 2018. Sure. I just Houston think. Houston doesn't be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think it's silly and people want to discredit, uh, things whenever they get a chance. And I just don't, I just don't think it's that smart of a thing that people say. I want to talk about Chris Paul for just a second. Okay. I think that this Chris Paul has, will go down, and I said this on Twitter, will go down as a, I said that, top five point guard of all time. However, 
I think he might actually go down as a top three point guard. Top three. Top three point guard of all time. But who's he jumping? He's jumping. So I think it goes Magic. Steph. I think it goes Magic. And then maybe Chris Paul or Steph. It's really? tight. But it, you can say, you can say for, for argument's sake, it's Steph at two and then Chris Paul at three. Chris Paul at three over over Zeke, like Zeke over Oscar, Oscar, Stockton, over Stockton, over Nash. And I think those three are pretty close, to be perfectly honest. I think Chris Paul, Stockton, and Oscar are pretty close. And I think if people want to say Isaiah, so I've done some things. Chris Paul defensively is a much better guard than Isaiah Thomas. He made the all defensive team seven straight times. Isaiah Thomas was never that guy. No. He was never that guy. I don't think Isaiah Thomas ever made the all-defensive team. I mean, they had Dumars there. They didn't really ask a lot of him on that Still? side. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying they didn't ask a lot of him they on didn't. that side. Yeah. They didn't. Uh, and I think in terms of their stats, they were very, very close. I think like 19.1 versus 19.2. Like the numbers are irrelevant because they're that close. Mm-hmm. Isaiah has more all-star appearances. I don't give a fuck. And I think... You could say you put Chris Paul on that Detroit Pistons team, they get the exact same amount of rings. You put Zeke. I don't I don't know that necessarily you can say that Chris Paul is immeasurably worse than Isaiah Thomas. And I would prefer a two-way point guard. And people might bang me on this, but that is that is how I feel. What I is like your it. thought? Wait, um... And that is if he wins the chip. Right. Obviously, this is assuming that Suns are able to close this one out. Uh, I mean, I think I think top five is a good place to be. I've never been a huge list guy. I think he belongs right there. If he's not five, he's six. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I uh, I just I just love him. I think he's going to go down as probably one of the best leaders to ever play the game. Uh, Mike Wilbon talked about this on NBA Countdown. The entire reason that the bubble existed at all was Chris Paul. I just think like there's no more complete point guard in the league in in recent memory. Uh, and it's actually a shame that the world slandered him for that long. And I <laughs> at one point was a part oh, of that. Oh, slander. myself included very much. I hated him his entire career. It's honestly it, it it makes me kind of ashamed and it's kind of changed how I look at different players throughout the league. Cause it, yeah, I bought into that. Like, Oh, he flops. He always argues. He's annoying. I mean, those Clipper teams were annoying. I will give myself a little bit of slack on that. Annoying. They were super annoying, but I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a basketball genius and it's, and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. And he's making everybody other, everybody else better. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's talk about game two. Um, the black family. Yeah. Martin's Mar- playboy. Marty playoff. Marty's family. <laughs> Came from Louisiana, uh, Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana, to come to this game. Mm-hmm. They bought tickets. The fam, Marty's brother, works for the Suns. The whole thing was fucking storybook. It was pretty crazy. Papa Black, for folks who don't know, because no one really knows, OG <laughs> Phoenix guy. Yeah, moved there when he was five years old. Yeah, in like 1961, and then the Suns uh, had their expansion season in 1968, so he's been around for the whole ride. The entire ride of the Phoenix Suns organization from start to now. Yeah. Camped out in 1976 to buy finals tickets. Just <laughs> amazing. So, okay, the game's coming out to a, to an end. And I would say Giannis, we could just throw this in there, Giannis played incredible. Oh, played incredible. 
the refs, Tony brothers wanted to give no fouls out except for the, to Giannis. <laughs> yeah, no, they helped him out. They helped him out a little bit, but I mean, he still played. Still played incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but the game's coming to a close. Mm-hmm. Three minutes left, I want to say. You're at, with me in section 203. Mm-hmm. Your dad is, where were you guys? Section 12, uh, 212, 230, 230, I think, something like that, yeah. Not far. No. He's posted up on the stairwell, and he's waving to Marty, yeah. waving. Marty's doing the P.D. Pablo with the orange Phoenix Suns towel that they give you. And there's like a moment shared, and I'm watching this moment. I look over, I check my phone, see if everything's going, and I look up, and Marty is emotional. It, it was, so... The sons and my dad, and I'm just going to say because I'm getting flamed a little bit online and on uh, the Viva account. The sons and my dad, it's a really special thing that we share, like more so than like really anything. And for a long time, I mean, we've experienced everything with the sons except a championship, him included, since 1968. Sons have never won. It's never happened. And that's like our 1A, our 1A team. And for a long time, it was... Am I ever going to get to share something like that with my father? He's not the youngest man in the entire world. He's far from old, but you know, you start having thoughts like that. And then all of a sudden we're going up to, Oh, it like becomes obvious at that point. We're going up to, Oh, and like, I just, it just hit me. Like I'm in the stadium. My dad's here. Like I never thought, especially this soon that this would happen. And it's just, yeah, it overcame me a little bit. And tears weren't like flowing down. They weren't it was, flowing. They were just shed. They were shed. They were coming. Wispy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did your dad introduce you to the sons when you were living in Louisiana? Okay, so I, like pretty much everyone born between 1990 and 1993, just loved Michael Jordan, and there was nothing anyone's father could do about it. Space Jam came out, so I yeah. I was an MJ guy. I was a Bulls guy, which I'm sure post-93 like really did not make it that heavy. And then in 1997... Uh, we took a trip out to Phoenix. My dad's parents were still living here and, uh, we went to, uh, Sons Wolves. It was KG's like second year or something like that. And, uh, it was my first NBA game, first real like big sporting event. And the way he tells the story is that he like brought me and my, bro- my brother there and we like didn't ask to like get up to get food or go to the bathroom or anything the whole game. We were just locked in and it just kind of. It just and went there from that. Uh, I would have been six, like first grade. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and from then on, you were a son's ride or yeah, die. Yeah, I was hooked. Yeah. Hooked. Brother, son's ride or mm-hmm. die. Father, obviously, son's ride or die. So how did that uh, son's familial bond become the connective tissue for the family? <sighs> That's kind of hard. I don't know. We just loved it so much. And we had just... I don't know. That is so weird. Like it, it was just something that we always had to talk about and dream about. And like, like we've talked about it so many times, like when like the final seconds are ticking down at the end of the finals, what that's going to feel like. It's just something we've talked about for so long. And we got so close, you know, in the Nash years, I know we never made the finals, but those, some of the, at least two of those teams were right there and had a chance to actually, you know, win it. And going through that much hurt, I guess really makes it stronger, I would say, because you just want it that much more. Yeah. yeah, and I think for you guys, it's the Suns were so bad, even with Book, uh-huh. even with Aiton, and you felt like you had pieces, good pieces, but you didn't make the playoffs for 11 straight years, and it's like, man, how is it 
for you guys to communicate when that team that you guys love are fucking terrible. Yeah. I mean, we would still talk about it. We would still follow every game. And, t- <laughs> and, and, and when we were tanking or I mean, tanking, uh, yeah, no, we, we would still talk about like, Oh, that was a, that was a really good loss we had. We really need to get that up, even though we only got a top three pick once and that was Aiden. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just you keep faith in it. Uh, I, I don't really know exactly, you know, how I can properly. Uh, explain it. It's just so vindicating this run. I mean, everything everyone ever said about Booker, good stats, bad team guy. He's not a winner. He like will never have that, you know, killer mentality. Aiden, Aiden was fighting like a bust narrative like a year ago. Chris like, Paul li- fighting yeah. a wash narrative yeah. and the, the narrative of being a bad leader. Yeah. So, and and that teammate overrated all these things. Yeah. I mean, I, of course, you never think going into this year, like, yeah, you never really think, oh, this team's going to win the finals. But it's it, it's just it's so vindicating. It's so it's so wonderful. And, and your blog was really awesome. Anyone listening to this should go read Tristan's blog. I really appreciated it. You know, I didn't uh, grow up with a dad that uh-huh. cared about sports at all. Like my dad was an artist. He was a guitarist. He grew up in L.A. And my mom was a huge Blazers fan. And so my mom introduced me to the team in a way where I was like four years old. And my mom and dad divorced when I was six. And really, I don't have a relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you see, you know, I actually, my producer uh, at USA Today, him and his dad became Nationals fans when the Nationals became an expansion team. Okay. And I was with them for the NLCS when they beat the Dodgers. Oh, hell yeah. To go to the World Series. And I captured them together on video. Three of them, two brothers and the dad, all there crying. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost um, a flashback for it happening last night. <laughs> it felt like the same thing. That moment where you kind of feel like we should not have been here. Yeah. The Nationals should not have been there. They were the worst team in baseball. The year before, right? The year yeah. before. Uh-huh. And even in the middle of that season, they uh-huh. were very bad, right? They were like 30. I think they were like 0.02% possibility oh, wow. uh, to win it all. <laughs> At one point, May 28th, the day of my birthday, we went and saw them play the Mets and they were 0.02% probability to win it all. So I saw that and it feels like one, I get a piece of that familial emotion Yeah, because I've never had that. My mom only came to my games. I've never gone to do anything like that with my mom. My mom Uh has severe anxiety, uh, agoraphobia. I don't even, can't even comprehend crowds. crowds. She doesn't even travel on planes. I can't even comprehend a moment like that with my mom, Mm. let alone a moment like that with my dad. Right. And so to to be there with people who feel that and have had that bond their entire life gets me emotional on so many different levels. And I'm so happy for you guys and happy for every family that has that with the sons. And my grandmother actually was a Phoenix Suns fan. Oh, she no shit. lived here. Okay. She's a D-backs fan and she was a Suns fan. And she's actually from Wisconsin. So it's so weird to see it all come in a weird circle. And all I can say is Suns of War, man. It's Let's just, go. It's cool to watch. And, <laughs> and you see the Jay Crowder game, which oh, was. Yeah. It was uh-huh. a Jay Crowder game. He had the best plus minus of any teammate on either the Bucks or the Suns. He had a double-double. Double-double. Double, yeah. double, game one and game two, he had the highest plus minus. 
Yeah, and game one, he went scoreless, right? I Correct? think he might have He might have gotten one at the end. Like, at yeah. the very end. Yeah. So, I think he had one free throw. But Crowder, Crowder is the reason. I think that um, there's a toughness to this team. Um, he's a big part of it. He's there's a no, huge no part doubt of it. About that. Apparently, a new, there's a new article that came out in ESPN Today about how Chris Paul and Devin Booker called Jay Crowder together. FaceTimed him to say, we don't, we don't just want you on this team. We need you. Mm -hmm. We have guys that have no playoff experience, no championship caliber experience. And you were just in the finals last year. And the Suns gave him a long-term deal at 10 10 million a year when the heat wouldn't, when the Mavs were flirting with him, with these other organizations possibly wanted him. And it was the Suns. And I think uh, it's just a cool, it's just a cool team. It's a cool story. And I think it, it, I don't want to say feels like destiny, but it kind of does feel like that Nats run. Yeah, no, it, it, it has vibes of that for sure. And like, honestly, just when, when you think about this team, someone had a great tweet. Uh, God, I get, I hate that I don't remember who it was. I'll figure it out. Uh, had a tweet that said, when I watch the Suns, it's like I'm watching a super team, but instead of three stars, it's just three guys who are just the best possible player at their position. <laughs> like, cause I mean, and, and it really kind of makes sense. Cause I mean, Chris Paul distributing defensive minded point guard, uh, that can score at will also whenever he wants to, uh, a shooting guard that can score even better, uh, a defensive minded center that plays del- like elite defense, uh, the offense, you know, comes to him naturally. Uh, he doesn't need to have plays run from him. And then you have two, long armed wings that are good at shooting threes. I mean, it's just, it's such a well-constructed team. It, it, James Jones just. Uh, and I, deep. I, it's a super deep team. Yeah. But what was kind of weird and telling about game two, uh, campaign only played 10 minutes. Yeah. So that really proved just how much, you know, Monty like wanted to get this game and, and you know, the, the there's three days off. So that probably like weighed into his decision too. like, I can play uh, Chris and Devin a lot this game. But yeah, that was probably the most interesting thing to me that campaign didn't play that much. I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that Tori Craig, uh, backup center went down and Dario Saric backup center tore his ACL. So I think that's going to be very, very interesting mm-hmm. to see how things go on going forward. And also that's another reason that Jay Crowder is so, so important is uh, they need his toughness. They need his body and his size to maybe play, um, some of that spot in like a pinch hitter position. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, potentially losing. I mean, I mean, we did lose. Suns did lose Dario. Uh, Tory Craig. We don't know everything yet. Didn't I think good. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't look good. I, I, I'm hoping it's a contusion, which I think would lead him to be able to play maybe later in the series if it goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, those two guys play huge roles off the bench. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Abdul Nader. Yep. And uh filthy Frank the Tank Kaminsky filthy is gonna Frank. get some gonna get some finals run. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what. All right, let's move around the league. Uh let's talk a little bit Dame. Damian Lillard, who everybody wants, everybody's salivating for. Apparently the 76ers aren't speaking to anyone right now because they're doing all of their dirty work to try to steal my point guard. <laughs> Dame Lillard came out on the record and said uh, all those trade rumors that you've been hearing about never came from me. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Apparently, Brian Windhorst had to retract what he had to say. Brian Windhorst tweeted uh, earlier. I said, let me find the exact tweet so that I get it right. Right. Mm-hmm. He said earlier on SportsCenter, I misspoke when discussing Damian Lillard. 
I incorrectly said Lillard's camp had been in touch with teams. That's a pretty big detail to be incorrect about. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant to say was teams are monitoring his situation in case they need to take action. My error. That's a huge error. Yeah. (laughs) My bad, guys. I just fucked up the most important part of the story. (laughs) What I meant to say was people are waiting and seeing if his camp wants him to move. Not that his camp was in touch with teams. Fuck you, Brian Windhorse. This is bad. And you know what? Damian Lillard, like I said, doesn't truly want out yet. Damian Lillard said, words are being put into my mouth and I haven't said anything. That's true. He's in fact said the opposite on million dollars worth of game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just keep remembering the million dollars worth of game where he's talked for like five minutes about how much he wants to be in Portland and be a one team guy. Like, and that, that, that doesn't know, just change overnight. Right, right. It's not. And people say like, oh, guys say that. It's like, yeah, guys say that. And then they just like dodge the question and say, so like, oh, I'm just, I'm thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be. He didn't do that. He talked for a while yeah. about it. Like, yeah, he didn't have to do that. And he did. And not only does he say that he wants to stay in Portland and be a one team guy, he also says very disparaging things about guys yeah. who form super teams. Mm-hmm. So when you have a guy who's like, yeah, I'm not only wanting to do this here, it's special for me to do this here and to try and to grind for this. I also don't fuck around with guys who run from the grind and switch teams like a la Paul George. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that Dame will never ask for a trade? No, I don't think that that is something that you can say definitively. Dame will never want out of Portland. It's a tough spot to be in. I don't know if the owner of the Portland Trailblazers really truly Gives a fuck about winning it all. <laughs> like, owners in small markets, they just kind of want to be in it. Like, mm-hmm. even Sarver to a degree. Oh, that, yeah. Just kind of wanted to be in the mix. That's what everyone said about him forever. And, like, he never wanted to pay the luxury tax and uh, stuff like that. He's clearly, you know, changed tune and learned what the people of Phoenix want. And he's put that first. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of these owners don't prioritize winning in the way that fans, that fans that do. They do. Yeah. Like, fans believe the owners are as passionate about a title run Mm. and the goal being a title. And truthfully, the goal really is making money. Or in in Steve Ballmer's case, like running from taxes. There is a new article out about Steve Ballmer that I think he avoided like $110 million in taxes over the course of the last few years because all of a sudden, He's saying that he's having more losses in the Clipper organization than the Clippers had when before he took over. Oh, I have not read this. Scandal alert. Okay. I don't have this is just off the cuff because I didn't think I was going to talk about it until really the owner's like kind of mindset starts to take focus. Mm. But owner's mindsets are to make money, to run from taxes so that they can make more money, to have the you know, dick measuring contest of owning things of stature and value. And they're not sports guys, typically. They're guys who made their living in other ways, doing other nerdy ass things. And they want (laughs) to align with sports to seem cool. And that is the truth of the matter. And winning and being competitive in sports doesn't really matter to them that much. So I'm worried for Dame. I'm worried that he would say, you know what? This Jody Allen person might end up selling the team to some other person. And who knows then? Yeah, then really, who knows? Yeah. Also, Dame says uh, 
he's going to show that he's a good defender in Team USA. He said, I know that I'm not going to have to be in the same role as Portland. I think that I can show that I'm a good defender without as much responsibility on the offensive end with so much talent. Sort of a ricochet shot at all of the weapons that Portland is lacking. We'll see what happens there. I'm not so convinced. Yeah. Not so convinced. I mean, if you're going to exert yourself like fully on that end, great. But let's not have it be at the detriment of your offense. Like that's kind of how I would be feeling. If Drew Holiday had to put up fifty, would he be a lockdown defender? No, I don't think he would. I don't think you have that much gas in the tank to be two way, two way like that. Uh, Dame also did not uh, give a ringing endorsement for Chauncey Billups. With us letting Terry go for nine years, I think our organization was set on getting a leader and someone players respect. They went through that process as they felt that they should. I think Yikes. he was getting as far away from the drama as possible. Damian Lillard, smart man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, smart man. After it came out that Chauncey was on his list, yeah, best to best to distance where, yourself from where Dame was like, I love Chauncey. And now he's like, they went through the process. I just stayed in my lane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't read the news when I was eight. <laughs> yeah. I loved that tweet by him. I'm like, yeah, that's True. actually that's pretty fair. Also, <laughs> none of us. Did. And no one talks about it. Like, no one yeah. said a word about it. Also, Knicks are still trying to write up trade scenarios on Damian Lillard. Let me just say this very, very clearly, Knicks fans. You're not getting Damian Lillard. You're so not getting him. What do they involve? Like RJ? RJ and three first-round picks for Dame. No. No. I mean, if you know he's gone, maybe that's not the worst. But he's not gone, that's true. Marty. He's I'm, not no, gone. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. But RJ for Dame and then some future potential players. No, thank you. Yeah, and then if they have Dame and Randall, well, eh, I mean, we say that Randall looked bad in the playoffs. We don't know how good or bad that team really but would be. But draft picks don't tur- don't mean shit. Like they don't turn into players ma- magically. You have to actually choose the right players. And yeah. I don't trust Snake Neil Olshay to make the right calls. Uh, Jason Tatum, speaking of Olympic team, he uh, from Vegas addressed all NBA snub. He said. Uh, that saw him gain votes. So basically he lost $33 million from his max extension. And so he's still talking about it. A bunch of media members get to vote. What's their criteria? Is there a certain amount of games that you need to play? Do you need to be in playoff contention? Are there a certain amount of spots or a certain amount of points that you should average depending on your position? I think that there should be something like that in place. I know nobody's going to necessarily feel bad for me and Donovan because we still get paid a lot of money but I think it's more like I felt I deserved to make it, not necessarily about money. That is a lie. It is a hundred percent about the money. That quote is more than likely motivated by money. Yeah. <laughs> For you to say it's not about the money, it's about the spot. But when you're in that spot, that's what gets you the money. And I promise you, if you didn't have that rider in your contract, you'd be like. Ah, uh, yeah, whatever. I'll just get it next year. Yeah, but wh- okay. And what's this point about like? Uh, I mean, I know all he said was a bunch of media members get to vote. But are you are you can act like there's not like an East Coast bias to this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't even get what he's trying to say here. Like, oh, the media like did everything they could to get the Boston guy to not get there. Like, that's never been said. Like, no, no <laughs> one is going to count out Boston Celtics 
uh, just because. Yeah. But I think what he's saying is like, these guys don't know shit about basketball and they don't know how deep my bag is and how good my footwork is and how I had to play for Brad fucking Stevens, who is about as motivating as a Sherwin-Williams <laughs> salesperson. And like watching paint dry is basically what Brad Stevens was. And you know what? I was still balling. I was still pulling us up out of the dregs of hell. I should definitely be on an all-NBA list because this team was fucking garbage. And he's right. Oh, he is right. I, I, I agree with him, yeah. 100% should have been all-NBA mm-hmm. over certain, uh, certain other people. And you know what he's also trying to say, I think, is like, this is these media members vote, but what gets into their mind are the na- narratives that these media members create. And so then it becomes all about the stories that become what is the criteria to get you on the All-NBA team. And he got COVID, and then the Boston Celtics were in shambles. And so then it's like, oh, now there's a knock on his name. Yeah. And I do kind of hate that the legalese uh, that goes on with the with, uh, with the Supermax extensions and stuff are so tied to All-NBA teams. Because then you just... Yeah. It's just too much power for the media. I mean, he is right. It is too much power for the media to have. I do agree with that pretty much completely. But, I mean, that's if, what the language is. Like, y'all, team, y'all agreed to this. So, for sure. Yeah. If the team wants to pay him that money, he should get paid that money. Period. Yeah. And maybe there's some way to get teams to vote for a different award that's tied to the money. But then the teams are going to vote probably so that then Celtics have to pay them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much skullduggery going yeah, on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not ha- coming forth with a better idea. I'm just saying it's weird. Milwaukee Bucks are missing a crucial player that they could have had that would maybe have sent them over the top. Milwaukee could have really used, I think, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And why are we talking about Bogdan Bogdanovich right now? Because it's a way for me to shit on the Sacramento Kings. Of course. <laughs> and I'll do that in July. I'll do that in January. I'll do that in March. It doesn't matter. Anytime, any place. Because they're terrible. Uh, apparently, there's some new stuff that's coming out about him. So he was a restricted free agent last year. Of course, the Sacramento Kings, who wanted to underpay him. Of course they did. That's what they fucking do. Again, mm-hmm. these owners are terrible. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They just want to own a team, right? Trash-ass franchise. So Bogdan unloaded on the Kings recently in an interview saying it was disrespectful. The Kings tried to work out a sign-and-trade with the Bucks without telling them. Yes, it is. Absolutely it is. <laughs> you can't just do a sign-and-trade and, like, he signed to a max deal, and it's like, now you're actually going to Milwaukee, which, fine, but no. He said, I remember Coach Walton and uh, GM Monty McNair both told me that how they wanted me. They said that they were going to wait for my offer, and I wasn't even looking at free agency. I was in Serbia. No one reached out to me. No one talked with me. No one asked me anything. I woke up, and I saw that they were trading me, and I didn't know what to do. I called my agent and I told, and he told me to calm down because there was nothing they could do because I was a restricted free agent and they couldn't do anything like that. Hmm. Okay, let me just get this straight. The Kings didn't even know what they were allowed and not allowed to do 
in the collective bargaining agreement. They didn't even know they couldn't sign and trade him without his approval. What a trash franchise are you if you don't even know what you can do and what you can't do? Pretty, pretty unforgivable. Pretty unforgivable. So then, of course, Bogdan was like, fuck the Bucks. No way. Even though the Bucks didn't do anything wrong, they probably thought that Bogdan agreed to it because, you know, like you can't do it without that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to take $18 million from the Hawks and say, fuck you to the Kings and say, fuck you to the Bucks, too. And by proxy, the Bucks lose out because the Kings are so fucking bad. Rough break. Rough break. <laughs> but you know what? Just this new this new interview tells you everything that you need to know about a trash-ass franchise like the Kings. Oh, man. I know everyone is tired about Ben Simmons. I'm tired about Ben Simmons. But this is something that needs to be addressed. The news dropped that Daryl Morey paid $4,000. $444, which is not that much in the grand scheme of Top Shot, for a Ben Simmons NFT. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Jokes just right in themselves, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> Daryl Morey telling the world via NFT that he's not going to trade Ben Simmons because he acquires a Ben Simmons Top Shot card of him hitting what? A jumper, of course. Like, that's the most <laughs> that <is funny>. expensive <laughs> NFT that you could get. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to make a joke. I will not make a comment about how this is the only way that the Sixers will get any of their return on investment if, from Ben is through this NFT. I will not do that, even though it's true. Even Wait, though- I, have, I have a question before we move on a little yes. bit. Wouldn't it raise the value of the NFT were he to not be on the Sixers anymore? Yes. <laughs> that might be the reason, Marty. We're going to acquire this thing that's inversely correlated to Ben's success on the 76ers organization so that when we ship him out, we can still get some return on the investment for a $190 million deal onto Ben. He is so trash. <laughs> nope, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit back and just say, watch that. Also, it needs to be noted Ben Simmons was 12th on MVP voting. He was the tw- he was the 12th guy in the MVP video, more than Harden and LeBron combined. Yeah, well, those guys were both hurt most of the year. I wouldn't say most of the year. They- most of the year, Ben Simmons was not good. We're going to move on. <laughs> Speaking of people who think that they're better than they are, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, thinks he deserves to get paid, 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 even though he's coming off of an ACL injury. The market for point guards have got to be just like, I mean, just so insane if Spencer Dinwiddie thinks he's worth this. I mean, guards make a lot of money. Guards yeah. make a lot of money. Dennis Schroeder's turning down four years, 84, to be a restricted free agent. And now Spencer Dinwiddie is talking about how much, Marty, how much do you think Spencer Dinwiddie thinks he's worth? Uh, I think he probably wants to be in the like 20 million a year range, something like that. Five years, $125 million. 125? 125. So that would be roughly $25 million a year for Spencer Dinwiddie. Hmm. In an interview with SI, he said that the hopes would offer him five and 125. And if they did that, that would be a hometown discount that he would be taking. Really, Spencer? He thought he was worth five years, 190. 
who's worth that? No one's worth that. Like that's like that, that's not a. I mean, I mean that that's like the supermax of supermax. Like, yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's one of the most ridiculous thing I've. Yeah, yeah, it's thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, like that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard coming from Spencer Dinwiddie and on the Nets. Where's this money coming from? Where is this money coming from? Also, on the heels that new news that I'm just pulling in from my head, the Alibaba, which is where Joe Tsai, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, gets most of his dough Mm -hmm. from, is down 10% because China is cracking down, folks. Cracking down on their businesses. So Joe Tsai and the fucking Brooklyn Nets can't pay Spencer Dinwiddie $25 million unless they trade someone. What are you talking about? And also... I just had to say this because it's be- it begs the question. It's a very serious question. Who the fuck does Spencer Dinwiddie think he is? That's I mean that's a tough. I mean I mean if he thinks if the actual quote was I I deserve five years one ninety. Uh, I mean I'm all for believing in yourself, but come on, man. This is the same guy who created a crypto account that people could, and that was illegal. You're not allowed to do that <laughs> with the MBPA to allow fans to go into his option and like get equity into his player option, which he has declined, by the way. Huh. So that's a whole lot of math and strategy that I don't understand. But yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's one of those dudes. Um, the truth is he's probably going to get around like 19 a year, I would imagine. 19, 18, 19, depending on how healthy he is. Depending on, that's big, big piece. Big piece. Um, I don't think Dinwiddie's worth more than, if you would have asked me though before the year, before he got hurt, I wouldn't have thought he was going to get paid more than 16 a year because he's getting like nine now. So that's the market for point guards, I guess. Um, Let's talk about the Spurs because some shit is going down. What the fuck is going on in San Antonio? Pops is off in Las Vegas Headed to Tokyo, which he know we know has been on his mind right. for pretty much the entire season. So this is like the ultimate climax of pleasure for Pop. We we're seeing Pop literally running suicides right now with Team USA. That happened. Greg Popovich is running suicides. Wait, right there's now. video of this. There is video. Oh, of I haven't this. seen it. Apparently, they messed up a play call, and Team USA, filled with stars who are hard rocks, are like, no, no. You guys get on the line. The entire coaching staff is running suicides. Greg Popovich included. Sweating in his fucking white tee, red tee, blue tee. Anyway, the latest rumor from Zach Harper at The Athletic is that while the cat's away, the mice will play. The Spurs apparently are willing to trade DeJounte Murray and Derek White. Hmm. Why? Derek White is 24. He's coming off of a 15, 3, and 4 year. Uh, Murray is also 24. Ballin, very good player. Murray signed a very friendly four-year, $64 million extension in 2020. White just signed a four-year, $72 million extension. So why would they be open to trading them? Rebuild? Is, I, it, is it time for a rebuild I, already? I mean, they're already kind of in a rebuild. Like, they, I, it's not like it's not like DeJounte Murray and uh, I, I always say that wrong. It's not like Murray and White couldn't be part of a rebuilding team. Like, yeah, why do you need to offload I mean, Devin them? Booker was part of a rebuilding team for years. Like, Six years he was yeah, part like, of a rebuild. Very wild. I don't understand how this makes sense. Uh, it doesn't to me. Teams like the Warriors are now trying to trade the number seven pick for DeJounte Murray. Yeah, I guess that. That's what comes to mind if you think that, oh, like, let me use this team-friendly deal 
to just acquire a shit ton of assets if that's the route you want to go. I mean, we know R.C. Buford kind of likes doing that, so maybe that's the thought. But Apparently, it's like, there's only four tier one guys in the draft, so a number seven pick, what's that going to do for you? Yeah, yeah. Hurry home, Pop. <laughs> the, the family needs you. All right, so that's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please like, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm at 23% on my laptop, so that is much better than I was expecting. It makes a huge difference <laughs> for us. Uh, we also have This League Playoff merch on sale. Suns in four. Oh, I forgot to talk about this, Marty. I, while you were gallivanting off with your family, met the Suns in four guy. Yeah. He is fucking huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Massive guy. Six four, he said. I'm like spitting all over myself. I was so surprised about that. I mean, he's a legend. It's insane. People may not realize how much the Suns and Four has taken over that arena. Like, just chance. Suns and Four chance throughout the arena. Literally, you see people, and you know how, like, Texas fans will be like, all right, hook them, you know, or whatever. Sco, like, for Oregon Ducks. It's now Suns and Four. Just like you say what's up to someone just off of Suns and Four. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm rooting for actual Sons and Four because I think that becomes a 30 for 30 and he's like a part of it. And I've I mean, that's met, what you call it. That's what you call it, Sons and Four. <laughs> yeah. And he's a part of it. He's now a fucking celebrity. As an aside, I know this is supposed to be the closeout, but apparently he was at the club, this guy, and Jamal Murray saw him in the club in Old Town Scottsdale and ran up to the Sons and Four guy just to take a picture with them. That's how much of a legend this dude is. Yeah. And he let me pretend to punch him straight in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of Barstool shirts uh, in the arena the last two, last two games. A lot of Barstool shirts. So all of that to say, go fucking buy one. Of course. There's two more games left. You probably won't get it in time, but it's going to be a legend. Going to be a legend. 30 for 30. Also, go on TikTok, uh, this league, and at Trista Crick on TikTok, IG, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, thank you for listening. Tune in. Monday, probably Tuesday. Not quite sure when that next episode's coming out. I've got some traveling to do. Marty's got some traveling to do. That's all the time that we have. We'll see you next time, whenever that is. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. It's time to risk it all.
hesitate to lick it. She wanna lick a trapper, but she already done licked the rapper. Oh my, oh my, so fly, so fly. Three six mafia, I stay fly, I stay fly. Quietly, just to get by. I want it all, not a piece of the pie. Everybody eats, everybody, and we keep all of the receipts. We ain't good, we living good. We done made it up out the hood. Give me that, 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 give me that. I want this and that. What you mean I can't have that? Stay in your lane, lowest lane, a skirt, skirt on 'em. Stay in your lane, penny lane, a skirt, skirt on 'em. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So, which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call five six two three one four four six zero three for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.